0: Don't tell anyone I'm free. Don't tell anyone I'm free.
1: Hello and welcome to BSD Talk number 43. It's Friday, May 12, 2006. We just have an interview today. So, I'll move straight into it. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with James Cornell. And he uses BSD to run his website and is also starting a shell service provider. So, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. Give you a minute to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do.
0: Hello, I'm James Cornell. I've been using BSD for at least a year. I got into Linux in probably 2002 and I've been using the Mac OS X platform since around 2004. I'm into pretty much any system, like Solaris, like BSD, and I prefer BSD when it comes to running servers and websites and stuff like that.
1: So you're, what's your current website that you're running? Where would people uh, find
0: it? My site is at shadowdev.org, and it runs FreeBSD 6, and it's in a cluster. It's hosted by a company called PowWeb, and they give you a really good deal on bandwidth and stuff like that, and uh, it's all PHP-based. I'm using um, a WordPress blogging system, and it runs pretty nice.
1: So you mentioned that you started off with Linux, and then you moved to BSD. Maybe you could discuss a little bit about what attracted you to the BSDs or what, what makes them comfortable for you.
0: Well, part of this licensing, I think that the GPL does have a little bit of problems when it comes to using it in a business, and I wanted to get into the business aspect of, you know, internet services, and it really stagnates innovation and stuff like that. I just think that the BSC license is more flexible, that kind of stuff, not to mention the software itself is a lot easier to modify, and you don't have to worry about licensing, and you don't have to worry about, you know, reliability, because it's been around for 20 years.
1: Sure, and you said that when I talked to you earlier that you were starting a shell service. And that's something that's very interesting to me. I manage some service at a university where we give shell accounts to students, and I've found that to be a very hostile environment. So, uh, one, I want to commend you for your bravery providing shell service. That's a a great service to offer. And I also wanted to ask you why you settled on the BSDs for running your shell services.
0: Well, the majority of uh, the exploits that people use to gain root access and take over services like Apache and stuff. What they usually do is they attack well-known services like sudo, and the actual SU command, they ad- they pretty much attack any set UID app that they can find, and they just run attacks against it. And the problem is that every attack is generally based
1: on Linux, and all these attacks are based on the x86 platform. So you felt that by using the BSDs, there would be a little bit of a unusual flavor to your shell service, maybe make those automated attacks not happen? less often? Yeah, I know when, uh, when I talked to a different hosting provider um, at SDF, they had also gone with the BSDs uh, after running Linux for a while.
0: The yeah, they were on DS10 alphas.
1: Yeah. And are you planning on running on a different architecture too?
0: Uh, possibly Spark 64. I have an Ultra 2 um, at
1: my house right now, and
0: I'd, I'd, I run FreeBSD on it, and it works fine.
1: And what services are you planning to offer with your shell service? Is it just shell, or are you going to offer web hosting for these accounts? and all the Yeah, that's kind
0: running? of part of it. Um Basically, you'll have you know your public HTML directory and stick stuff in there that'll have PHP support. I'll probably use uh, Safe Mode and some extra options like uh, F-Open Wrappers. I'll have that disabled, stuff like that. Things that you really want to keep secure. I'd probably end up uh, allowing Perl for people that pay. I I'd like it if people donated because it really does cost a lot of money to operate these. That's why I stopped providing them. I actually did provide them a few months ago, but and financial problems. It's just hard to keep it consistent.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people that start up free services are always challenged by, you know, bandwidth and space and everything else. Now, with the possibility of uh, running on a Spark platform, did the opening up of Solaris make you consider that platform as an option?
0: Yes, it did, but Solaris does have twice the learning curve of even BSD, and I really am not dedicated enough to get into the large platform right now. I think it's a pretty good system. It's very reliable, but it's kind of inflexible because it doesn't have ports, it doesn't have package source, it doesn't have portage. And even if it has those ported, I really think that the whole entire kernel architecture is a little bit too outdated to be used in a good way.
1: And what made you settle on FreeBSD, uh, among the other possible options like NetBSD and OpenBSD?
0: Well, FreeBSD is probably more comprehensive. I mean, they have, they have 6,000 ports like a year and a half ago. They probably have 12,000 now. They have a lot more packages available. Java is freely available and it's 100% compatible with the enterprise certification from Sun. That was made possible by the FreeBSD Foundation a few months ago. And with that, FreeBSD becomes a relevant platform in the enterprise.
1: Now, do you use FreeBSD on other personal computers or workstations or just on a server?
0: I do play with it on desktops, but it's really in, inadequate to uh, use as a desktop compared to Linux because of uh, things like Allen and D-Bus and GNOME. And I know that um, I've listened to the interview with uh, you and other people like the GNOME uh, project leaders and they just have little things that are Linux-centric right now.
1: I also uh, use just about any operating system I can get my hands on, and I do enjoy the Linux desktop environment. It is well integrated. It's getting getting much better. What is your preferred desktop operating environment?
0: Well, currently, that would be a Mac OS X Tiger because it's uh, well integrated. It pretty much has a wide array of software that's available, a lot of commercial stuff, and pretty much it works out of the box and it gives me little problems.
1: I found that in a lot of my interviews with people that the Mac operating system is a really popular choice for BSD and Unix and Linux enthusiasts. Is there something that Apple's doing right that you think the free operating systems wouldn't be able to replicate with time and effort?
0: It's partially due to uh, licensing and patenting issues. Apple likes getting together with other people to license technologies like MP3 and MPEG, and they pretty much have the edge when it comes to having a desktop out of the box with patented stuff that's in common use.
1: I guess that pretty much makes it impossible to ship a completely free operating system, uh, at least in the U.S., where the patents are in effect. Do you think that end users will ever find it important to have a completely free, as in freedom, desktop, or do you think that pretty much they'll just go with whatever works? I really don't want to get into that exactly, but the thing is Richard Stallman
0: is probably the only one out of any of these people listening that would probably have a fully free desktop. You have to admit that everybody probably has some kind of commercial software on the computer, maybe Java,
1: Skype, Gizmo, you know, whatever, Flash. And would you prefer to have open source versions of all of these, or are you happy with whatever works?
0: Uh, I'd like to have them more possible, but I'm kind of forced to use
1: them, so I kind of like to have,
0: have them available.
1: I've always found it interesting that um there you know there does seem to be a lot of innovation coming out of businesses and proprietary software vendors and it you know it frustrates me when I see you know a, a, an application that works really well such as Skype I think that they they did a great job of creating a high quality audio experience uh, and unfortunately you know when you do that and you come out onto the market and you gain a lot of market share it's really hard to dislodge an entrenched protocol like that and you know, I don't know what the open source community can do to try and stay ahead of that game.
0: Well, they already have a telecommunications solution. It's integrated with GNOME, but it's kind of inadequate compared to Skype right now. I mean, the audio quality is probably not as good, and interoperation is kind of not as good either and it's not widely known, and there's probably not cross-compatible versions. You probably have Linux and maybe even BSD. We'll have a version of NoMeeting, whatever it's called now, but right now, NoMeeting only works on Linux and BSD and the Unix platforms. If if you really want that kind of thing to be known and widely used, you have to port it to Mac OS X and to the other relevant desktop platform, which is Windows.
1: I guess as long as there's an open protocol that people are using, things are working pretty well. SIP is definitely there. The thing that frustrates me about Skype is, it's sometimes difficult to uh, get friends and family members to switch over to a a different application.
0: Well, actually, that's the thing. That also is a really bad pet peeve for me. Um, I have a Mac Mini, the G4 um, generation. And I can't really use it in three years after they drop support for it. Now, I have a really strong feeling that Apple's going to uh, push this Intel thing. They're going to claim that there's features in these new Intel chipsets, and I don't doubt that there are, but I know that they're going to start doing the media push, kind of like Microsoft does when they force people to perpetually upgrade. And eventually, my Mac Mini G4 is going to be completely obsolete. And I want to run an open source software on there because that's pretty much the most complete solution other than Mac OS X itself right now unfortunately, things like Flash, Skype, Gizmo, they're not available on Linux on anything except I-386. And I don't know what to do with that machine if I can't run certain things like that.
1: Yeah, they end up becoming servers. (laughs) Basically,
0: uh... I'd be using FreeBSD when it comes stable on there. When it's Tier 1 architecture supported, I will definitely put it on there.
1: You, You said you had a Spark system. You've got some Macs and some Intel machines. Do you have any other architectures that you're running BSD on?
0: I do have a uh, SGI Indigo 2 R10K, but it won't even work with Linux.
1: Yeah, but Irix is a great...
0: <laughs> a great oh, well that's, that's the problem, though, is the cost. This machine is one of the older, lesser-known... You know, it, it's not very powerful. It couldn't handle Irix 6.5, not to mention it. It cost me 200 bucks from eBay just to get a copy of it.
1: So when you are using an open-source desktop, what desktop environment do you prefer? You know, KDE, GNOME, something else?
0: I like Gnome, but I do like KDE. The thing is, I, I prefer Gnome usually because it has an extra polish that people like. I like it myself because of the extra polish. Things like Beagle, uh, like, I know that Linux is really not my forte, but it, as far as uh, having desktop features, uh, things like Beagle Search and all these other things that they have in it, like XGL, are really nice to you know play with. The problem with BSD, and I think it's been highlighted when you had an interview with... Uh, yeah, okay, Eric S. Raymond, um, when you had an interview with him, he probably preferred BSD, but the thing is, those little polished things is what people like, and it, it's just the uh, viral effect that creates the uh, advanced development rates that
1: Linux has been showing. It's okay to have differences. It's, it's okay to have choices, different things for different people, but I do wonder how much the open source community is dividing their effort. Is that a problem in your mind? Or do you think it's great having these multiple development paths between BSD and Linux?
0: I think that would be more beneficial if they both collaborated with each other. I mean, despite the licensing issues, if you get past that, I think that the technology is too centric to one or another platform, and mostly it's Linux nowadays. BSD is more of a core-type complete operating system, but it doesn't have any of, of the frills that people require.
1: And given that BSD has been out for a very long time, actually before Linux, what do you think contributed to the success of Linux in the commercial space with companies like i b m and other large companies that have been pushing Linux itself?
0: I'm not exactly sure on that one. Um I don't think anybody really can exactly explain that My thoughts on that is that maybe maybe because it explodes and and growing it it's a lot faster at developing new technologies and b s d is because it's easier to commit, it's easier to create projects, easier to fork off than it is with BSD. Eric S. was talking about how BSDs were more susceptible to forking, but I, I don't agree with that because I don't think that's really possible. I think that from you know obvious fact, there are probably 200 to 500 Linux distributions out there. Just go to distrowatch.com, you'll see what I mean. And with BSD, there might be 10 of them, and they're all specialized.
1: All right, well, there are there any other topics you want to talk about today regarding BSD or open source?
0: Well, if uh, BSD were to go in any particular direction, I really think that they need to get things like Flash. That's probably the number one thing holding it back, at least for me.
1: So, besides Flash and other proprietary programs, are there any other pieces of technology that you feel are lacking from the BSDs that you'd like to see? Virtualization.
0: Virtualization is the next big thing. VMware has a GSX server, which is now known as VMware Server. They have... VMware workstation. They have ESX. They have Virtual Center. All that stuff. They can cluster the virtual machines. They're portable. And the problem is, that VMware kind of stopped their development on BSDs, probably because of lack of developers.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you've looked into the Zen virtualization technology, and you know, I haven't played with that, so um, I'm not sure how easy that is to use, or how far along it is, or how stable it is. Zen is nowhere as mature. It's you cannot roll out the Zen
0: in enterprise markets. You cannot trust Zen for mission-critical applications. There's
1: no support behind it, and it requires some knowledge to get it running. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I think it's really important to hear from BSD users along with developers. And I want to wish you luck on your shell service. And thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been good talking to you. Good talking to you, too. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach archives of past shows, you can find them at Talk dot blogspot dot com, or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo dot com. That's B I T G E I S T at yahoo dot com. Thank you for listening.